You're Mingling with the Mimosa Mamas, a podcast that inspires and empowers women to live authentic always. Now here's your host, Erin and Erica. It's It's your your Mimosa Mimosa Mamas. Mamas. Welcome back. Today we have with us Joni Dixon-Garcia, a licensed marriage and family therapist with Evolve Family Therapy. She's been working with children and families for over 10 years. Welcome, Joni. Thank you. Thank you for mingling with us. Thank you. May is Mental Health Awareness, and Joni is here to talk about topics like anxiety, depression, and suicide. So, Joni, please get started. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me here. And anxiety and depression is um, something that I think just impacts so many people on so many different levels. And um, often in my practice, people come in for various reasons, but there's usually some kind of anxiety behind almost everything that they they come in with. Um, And then, of course, you know, depression. But anxiety is actually... um, uh, has a higher rate now than depression does. Depression used to be kind of like our primary or, our, you know, had the highest rate, most common diagnosed mental um, disorder, but actually anxiety um, disorders are taking the lead. Um, and partly, I think, is part of our, you know, modern society <laughs> is kind of leading us um you know, to have more stress and more demands, more fears. Um, and we tend to be overworked, um, especially as, you know, parents. <laughs> um, and we have, you know, financial stressors. We have, um, you know, maybe we're disconnected from our loved ones, which can really lead us to um, not have kind of like the healing that we could have if we were more connected with each other. Um, so it's really a topic that can. I mean, I, it, can, it underlines so many things. I mean, we can talk about anxiety when it comes to kids or parents or like whatever I'm in the workplace. So um, in preparing for this talk, I was looking at, you know, oh, should I have some stats or, you know, what do we want to talk about? And what I realized was that um, there's kind of two levels to look at things. Um, one is on the individual level, like one is like, what do I do? Someone comes to my office and they're depressive anxiety. So what do we do? How do we treat that? Where did it come from? And the other one is looking at society at large and what are we doing in our communities? Um, you know, because I can give people a lot of tips and tricks and things like that, that really we need to, uh, apply to the individual. So it makes it a little bit harder for me to say do X, Y, and Z though. I do have some general things, but one of the things that I find is really difficult, even for myself, um, you know, I have kids and family and job, obviously, <laughs> and my own stressors that sometimes it's hard to implement those things. You know, like the, the homework that I give clients. You know, a lot of clients don't do their homework. I don't do my own <laughs> homework, you know, for know, self-care right? and things like that. Um, and so, and, and sometimes that can lead to further anxiety or further stress or shame um, that Ooh, I'm not I doing the things. Yeah, yes. shame is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shame is one of the biggest... Um, things I think our society is suffering with, you know, and that stops us from doing so many things. And again, even if I were saying, hey, make sure you have a lot of sleep, make sure you, you know, practice mindfulness and meditation, make sure you spend, you know, good time with your kids and your partner and be really present. Um, When people can't do it, they feel shame. Well, I'm depressed because I'm not doing, you know, it kind of, so that's the tricky part with, um, of course I want, everyone to go to therapy. I think it's great and preventative, but we have to also be careful not to um, put all of the blame then on the individual and say, hey, this is all like your thing to take care of all by yourself, you know, because 
it's not and and it can lead to further shame and doubt and um yeah yeah well it's a vicious cycle yes absolutely vicious cycle Mm -hmm. i agree with erin and and i'm actually um wanting to know if there's a genetic link to Mm -hmm. depression anxiety yeah, I mean, some research is showing that there it, that you can have a genetic predisposition. Um, and the, the tricky part, though, is that there's also a lot of environmental factors, too. And you, you, most of us, not everybody, but most of us grow up with the people we share genetics with, you know, our yeah. biological parents. Yeah. And so if they struggle with anxiety or depression or, and sometimes it might not even be a, um, like, diagnosable, like, to that level to meet the, you know, um, technically be diagnosable but or just not diagnosed even if they really would meet the qualification for the diagnosis but having a lack of emotional awareness and a lack of um, the ability to be emotion coaches for us as when we were children then we're going to be more likely to have you know anxiety depression or some other you know psychological disorder right 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 right. well i think also um coming from a family Mm -hmm. i am mexican a lot of people who have or of different ethnicities, I should say, um, they have a hard time coming to a therapist. It's almost like there's this stigma, stigma, like we don't need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying in my personal life that didn't happen with me, and I'm very thankful. My mom was very open to taking us to therapy, and I, as a child, went to therapy. So, But to share with our listeners, because we do have different types of, ethnicities tuning mm-hmm. in and Absolutely. listening mm-hmm. and you know even um indians and and african-american i mean the list goes on and on asian yeah. and just um yeah. pacific islanders who mm-hmm. knows yeah. it's, it's hard to you know with caucasians i want to say you know there's a more maybe openness to it do you see that um well i think that there's um shame and stigma asking for help in general. I mean, I do think it's getting better as far as, um, you know, not stigmatizing mental illness. I I mean, it's getting better. It's not fully there. You know, there's much more awareness. But I think it kind of is like, it's okay for other people. I won't judge them. But there's still some shame, I think, with the self needing something. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you bring up, you know, from a like Latino culture, um, a lot of people that I, from various cultures, will refer to counseling as class. You know, they'll call me and say, oh, I, I, I have to cancel class, you know, oh, or I'm going to class instead of therapy. Wow. And I just roll with it. I'm like, that's cool. It's fine. I mean, I provide a lot of psychoeducation. We call psychoeducation is what I'm teaching people about, um, you know, depression or anxiety or, you know, psychological mm-hmm. things. Um, so I, that's fine. We go with it. You know, you whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever people need to refer to is fine. You know, there may be a conversation um, around how they feel about coming, you know, too, because that can... Um, if they are, there is some shame or stigma, they might not stay in therapy as long. You know, they might start feeling a little bit better and then be like, I'm good, I'm cured, I'm fine. Like, look at me, I'm like a really good, competent therapy client, you know? And then they get yeah. a sense of like self-worth because they were a good client, which really, you know, people, you know, self-worth is innate. It's just something you have. It's not something you're supposed to have to earn. And I Ooh, think- I love that. Yeah, we often confuse self-esteem with self-worth and, um, when you know there was when I was a kid, there was a big push for self-esteem, or or maybe 
maybe not right when I was born, but you know, the kids that are maybe born in like the late eighties, nineties, you know, they might, they grew up with the self-esteem kind of like movement, you know? Um, and parents were really told to make sure that they praise their kids for everything and that they try to raise them with a healthy sense of self, self-esteem. And though, of course that's important, but self-esteem, um, De- almost depends on competency, right? Or depends on, well, it does depend on competency, but it also depends on um, comparison a lot of times, right? Mm. So if I have a good sense of self-esteem because I'm a good athlete, that what does that mean? Like good athlete, like if I'm 10 years old, I'm probably not going to be as good as an 18-year-old, right? So how right. do I know if I'm a good athlete at 10? Right? Well, comparing myself to other 10-year-olds, yeah. right? So that means there's always going to be like a loser, right? There's always yeah. going to be yeah. someone, I mean, loser as in losing the game, right? Um, when you're playing sports, but it can feel like you're the loser, you know, yeah. depending on what measuring stick you're using. Is it on sports? Is it on grades? Is it on how you look? Um, and so though it is important for kids to learn a sense of competency and to know that, hey, if I practice something really hard, I can obtain my goals and have achievement. That's absolutely important. But when we focus only on self-esteem, what we often tend to do as, as parents, I think, too, is to give kind of like false praise, too. So yeah. we, rather, it, like we'll say something is good, maybe it's not. Or, you know, people will talk about like the participation trophies sometimes. Um, and so what what's, I mean, it's not that we shouldn't praise them but it's about attitude and effort, you know, versus the product and product. A lot of kids, I'm sorry, Joni, Mm -hmm. a lot of kids nowadays and parents are okay with kids being given certificates for everything. And and, And the way I feel, again, this is my personal opinion, I feel like when you um, are playing baseball or Mm -hmm. playing basketball or or even playing a musical instrument, I feel like you need to earn that award. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like today, I'm so glad Joni's talking about this because (laughs) I feel like in today's society, a lot of us are being pushed to like blend in with every, not blend in, what's the word I'm looking for? We're... We're trying to keep up with the Joneses, I guess yeah. you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of millennials out there that we have as listeners. And and Joni's mm-hmm. bringing this up. And I think it's important yeah. because um, she said when we grew up, I'm thinking you and I are the same age. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I was, oh, but at 1982. Yeah. Oh. Like the oldest millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I take that yeah. back. I grew up She's with, you know, I had older sisters too. They're, you know, technically okay. like X gen- generation X, X right? Generation and it's just X. really interesting to see the difference, you know, so I see kind of, you know, maybe some of the stuff they went through and some of the stuff that yeah. I, you know, have gone through and people younger than me too. And some yeah. of the stressors there. And, um, but with, when it comes to like self-esteem, you know, if it's, again, if it's like you're, your, um, you know, when, when we do like the false praises, the reason why that's a problem is because kids kind of know it's BS, right? And they have no control over it either. So if they're not, if they're just like, I'm a winner no matter what, then I'm never a winner too, yeah. right? So that's well, the yeah. flip side, yeah. right? Yeah, um, what's the point? Yeah, the point? exactly, yeah. 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 There, yeah. And yeah. then sometimes there's also like a um, lack of ability for like resiliency and just to learn resiliency because they don't have to deal with defeat. But the other part too is that their sense of self-worth becomes dependent on these um, successes. So if your parents always telling you you're pretty or you're so smart or look at your good grades and all everything is about their accomplishments or how they measure up in comparison to other people, then um, there's they some kids may wonder if they will only be loved 
if they continue mm. to have to live up to those standards too. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes as parents, we don't see the um, failures of our kids or we see them and all we do is push them away or just punish them. And not, I mean, I'm not saying we don't need to use consequences. <laughs> of course we do, but um, we, we just need to be kind of cognizant of that and be able to see and hear our children authentically for who they are when they fail as well right. and accept them anyway. And that's when we lead into a healthier sense of self-worth and self-worth is different from self-esteem because it's saying like just me as a human being, I'm worthy of love and acceptance and pursuing those things, right? Like obviously if you're mean to everyone that's around you, then you're probably not going to get like a lot of good friends, but you're worthy of pursuing that and trying to fix that and correct that so that you can have those friendships rather than having this people with a lower sense of self-worth have, um, kind of like an innate sense that like, I'm bad, I'm shameful, I am not acceptable. Just who I am to my core is not um, valuable or worthy. And so we don't want accomplishments and things like that and our external things or money or things like that to be tied to self-worth because then that's really not really not self-worth to be honest so as a child I struggle with low Mm self-esteem and actually as a young adult as well and I did feel like if I didn't get perfect grades or you know if I wasn't as pretty as my friends you know that was tied to my Mm self-worth and I I struggled with that for years so Mm -hmm. I'm really glad we are talking about this Mm -hmm. and I think that did contribute to Mm -hmm. my anxiety that I have today and you know to kind of to circle back to anxiety because I really do feel like it it feeds into that. Mm-hmm, and I see mm-hmm. children these days having more and more anxiety. Are you seeing more and more children coming in with anxiety? Yes, yes, That's absolutely. So yes. And then it's interesting, some of the, uh, you know, I, I also come from a background of doing um, behavior therapy with, with children mm. with autism. It's very behavior related, so it's very much consequence oriented. Um, and I see kids coming in sometimes with behavior problems, and their parents are concerned about that and they want to know how to deal with that. And it's, Unfortunately, yes, there's that's part of it, and I like to teach that and help and parents with that. But sometimes, what a lot of parents don't realize is that there's also this emotional underlying that that's coming with it, where the relationships are very strained, the parents are very angry at the children at this point, um, and maybe because they lack the skills to be able to do it, or maybe because the parents have their own sense of self worth, right? And they yes. might be saying, "My child's a reflection of." Yeah. Um, how good my parenting is right right and so then they're maybe angry or resentful um, or just overwhelmed frustrated all of these things so yes kid and not and not to you know say that the parents are the reason why there's an increase of course not of course not and and, um, it really comes down to you know it takes a community to you know raise a child Mm -hmm. and sometimes that means supporting the parents so that they can do what the kids need from the parents and then it also means having other community members supporting our kids as well well there's a cycle to be broken as Mm -hmm. well because Mm -hmm. I myself um, gosh I don't even know where to begin with my childhood and I just kind of feel like there's certain things that I want to be respectful towards my parents, of course. But um, I saw a lot of things growing up. And mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, and, and I've been very open with my parents in regards to telling them, hey, you know, this was a bit damaging because I got into unhealthy relationships mm-hmm. yeah. as a woman yeah. because of what I witnessed as a child. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's so many, like, there's a cycle to be broken. Right. And again, I can't. Right. Um, say this enough but unfortunately and I shouldn't say unfortunately that's the wrong word um, <laughs> being from a cultural family being Latina mm-hmm. um, 
there's a lot of things that we witness as children mm -hmm. and yeah, and our parents went through worse yes i yes. mean my grandfather told me a story that right. his his father yeah. put two hot irons on his hands mm -hmm. as discipline oh, yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah. or right. they would get sticks and whip them with sticks right. you know tree sticks yep and yep. Yeah, I remember growing up, I mean, like hearing, I mean, they didn't do it this to us, but they would joke when I would go to visit my grandparents are from Kansas, it's very rural, you know, um, uh, society, there's like 1,200 people in the town. But when we'd go to visit on their farm, he would kind of joke like, don't make me go get a switch, you know, and See? he would joke with yes. us because... Don't we're, you know, he, because we're, we're his sweet grandchildren, so he wasn't actually mad at us, but I knew, yeah. like, well, that's what happened when my yeah. mom was, that's why he's bringing up, where then right. I grew up, and, and it's interesting you say that with the family legacy, because... You know, our parents have what they have, right? And, yeah. and, and they're using the skills they have and yeah, doing what they, the best. No, no, doing the best what they've got. And yes. I think when we um, shame our, uh, I think shame is just so huge. And again, shame it is tied is. to that self-worth, right? Yeah. So if you, if you do something wrong, what we would like is to be able to tell our parents, hey, this hurt me. And this is what our kids would like from us too. So, <laughs> so it's a parallel process that's going on. We would like when we tell them this hurt me for them to be able to maybe experience guilt and then feel say sorry and make it right. But often what happens is they experience shame and sh guilt is I'm bad. Let me make or I did something bad. I feel bad about it. Let me let me um, make things right, which is actually one way that our society even functions because like we, we need to cooperate as human beings and we right. have some level of trust. Like I yeah. come in here and I know that like you're not gonna hurt me coming into a place I've never been before, right? <laughs> because like you'd feel guilty, right? Like so we have right. this kind of thing that we we can trust each other to cooperate. Operate. I mean, not completely, of course, but you know, because of that feeling of guilt. So guilt's yeah. important. It's it's healthy. It's good. It's important, and we make things right. But shame is saying I'm bad, you know, and and so and the feeling of shame is so intense. It's so uncomfortable. It's one of the worst emotions to experience, mm -hmm. and it turns inward. Anger, at least, it's like outward, you know, and you're yeah. like fighting, you know, and you're kind of like, um, you know, if it will, if the fight fight response kicks in. And, and it versus turning the anger or shame inside of yourself and turning it on you as an I'm the one that I'm mad at or I'm the one I'm, that's bad. And so when we have so much, I think, in our societal pressures of like parents are supposed to be able to do this by themselves and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and this like yeah. rugged individualism, which is really false. Like people think that's this American value and it's not. It's like all through like American history, you see people getting help from each other and it's part of our early history too and communities banding together. And so when we think we're supposed to do it all by ourselves, well, what are you going to feel like when you can't do the most important job in the world, which is to raise your kids? Oh my gosh. You know, you're going to yeah. feel like crap about yourself, right? Yeah. 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 So no wonder our parents are going to have a hard time even acknowledging or not getting defensive if we say, hey, something went wrong, you know? Right. And no wonder we might feel that way too, right? Yeah. When it's yeah. our turn and our kids are adults and they come to us and yeah, say, hey, yeah. this and is what happened. And even now, yeah. I mean, adolescents, I think younger kids can do this if we teach them that it's okay, for sure. I think um, adolescents are really good, like, bullshit detectors. <laughs> and so they will, t and they do not like hypocrisy, right? They do not, like, that's, the, you know, they're and they're starting to have a mind of their own. They're not just going to believe everything we say and the yeah. way we frame everything for them. So they come out and they're seeing things and being like, my parents aren't perfect, right? You know, I'm like, what the hell is this? Right? Like, you know, and yeah. so they start to hold up a mirror to us and be like this is what I see I love that you said yeah. that and if we're not we can't handle it if we're not ready for it then there's going to be all yeah. kinds of you know tension so either they're going to be so respectful and we have such good authority over <sighs> our kids that they will just pretend 
to not believe this. Which is scary. Mm -hmm. And they will, and then what happens is if we, let's say, I mean, like I I have four kids and uh, my oldest will be 17 in July. God bless Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) I was 20 when I had her and she has, um, you know, and I had taken early childhood education um, courses in in college and and in high school actually. And so I had a lot of tools up my, you know, in my bag to like kind of um, take care of her and raise her. But not, but the, the, the work of like, like, who am I and what, and improving my self-worth and self-compassion, that's another one that we'll have to get onto. But, um, so I put all my work and energy and really focused on her to like prove everybody wrong that I could do this, you know, kind of thing too, even though I wasn't like 30 years old when I had her. Um, and the thing is, is she's amazing and wonderful and a great kiddo. We have a great relationship, but I'm gonna do things wrong. I, I she probably got some anxiety from me from early, early, those early years, you know, of trying to be perfect. And then growing up with you know your mom being a therapist, you know, oh, you might yeah. think, oh well, she knows everything. Maybe I don't, or whatever. Or can I twist the conversation back to her and not take accountability? Sure. I mean, like therapists and alcoholics are really good at bullshit, <laughs> you know, and reframing to make <laughs> and rational, you know, because well, yeah. one of the things we do is we do reframe to say, well, we could also look at it this way, which is true and valuable, unless it's not, unless it's. Right. Um, actually keeping you stuck and not making changes you need to. So anyhow, so, you know, if I can't, you know, if I have a hard time letting her see, like, say, hey, mom, like, when you do this, this is how I feel. Or, hey, mom, you know, I'm feeling kind of low or insecure about myself, right? If she has to pretend that that doesn't exist, then she's going to suffer with it by herself. Right. And, and and of course, if I, I grew up with a low, low self-esteem as a kid and so then having her so young, I mean, really, all that's gone? Of course not. Of course not at 20 years old. You're not, you know, I haven't, hadn't processed oh, yeah. through all that. Yeah. So oftentimes we pass those things to our kids, you know? Um, and this is even as a therapist speaking, I've been, uh, since I was eight years old, like kind of being therapeutic minded, I guess, and looking at my family and evaluating and analyzing and learning and judging since uh, as a little girl. So even with all of that training that I had, I guess you would say, um, I still don't always get it wrong. So when, when I, when I think of that, I think, well, gosh, what about people who don't have that, you know, training? Mm -hmm. Of course they're going to struggle, you know, with that. And of course they're going to have a hard time maybe, um, letting their kids reflect back to them what is working, what's not working. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, some parents will feel really shame, ashamed and, and, and guilt, guilty if they didn't notice that their kids were hurting or suffering or if they can't fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we either, we might ignore it. We might say, well, you're not doing all these things. I'm telling you, I'm trying to help you and you won't listen or whatever. Or we turn it into just a behavioral thing or, you know, and then, yeah. Or you're being disrespectful because you're telling me that what I said hurt your feelings. Right. Or because you're angry at me, anger means mean. It doesn't. Right. Being mad is not the same as being mean. So if your kids are mad at you, it doesn't mean they're being disrespectful, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. what they do with that anger. Of course, we would like I'm to teach them. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. I'm raising my hand when my son does that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's and it's uh, and that's the thing is when we're not able to really fully process our emotions, um, figure out how we feel and what we need, um, and ask for that, then we're going to feel anxiety and depression. And they go, they often go hand in hand. A, a lot of people are, you know, diagnosed with both anxiety and depression. They're very and then there's bipolar disorders yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of older generation parents have not 
been diagnosed with the bipolar disorder mm-hmm. so yeah and that can be really unsettling for kids too it can, <laughs> and, yeah. you know stabilizing yeah yeah. Sta- exactly. yeah and the thing is is if you and if you have um i mean whether you have bipolar disorder or anxiety depression or nothing um just um in our society largely we haven't done a very good job of just teaching emotional awareness anyway right no and our kids no. need us to teach it to them they're not going to have it right away they need us to um, organize their thoughts you know like oh like a two-year-old is crying oh it looks like you're really sad right now you know I see tears it looks like you're really sad you know I wonder if you need a hug you know and yeah. and when they're little we're going to suggest things like that and that helps yeah. them cope um, when they're older we got it's putting the band-aid yeah, yeah. And, and and letting them know what what it is and that there's a name for it and that it's okay right but if we are either feeling a sense of shame ourselves Right. If we are feeling maybe overwhelmed, like maybe the child's sad because they really just want to sit with you on the couch because they're having one of those days. But like like all human beings, you need to like go to the bathroom. (laughs) You might be frustrated, you know, because their needs are so big and you're trying to fill them alone. And we and we might not even notice or if if we just don't even know how we feel, it's kind of hard to be aware of how they feel, you know. And so um, a lot of, you know, we talk about whenever anything happens in our society, like school shootings, whatever it is. um, we talk a lot about like, oh, mental health, mental health, we need more mental health services. Um, but it's no, no amount of therapy is going to replace what parents can do in the early years, right? And what, and, and, and prevent, prevention, right? But the thing is, again, we have to be careful not to say, oh, well, parents, just here's another responsibility, parents, go ahead, do it. Okay, where's the infrastructure to support that? You know, with everything, you know, um, we mentioned, like, when I got here, like, opportunity cost, right? Of, like, spending uh-huh. all your time cleaning your house versus something else, right? And right. Like, everything is a decision. I think we really need to look at that. If, if we – we'll talk about it in politics. Like, if we spend money here, we don't have it here, right? Or whatever it is. It's the same in family life. It's the same for parents. If we um, – you know, are going to tell parents, hey, you need to put your kids in these extracurricular activities in order to make them competitive for, um, you know, college or whatever and put them in all these, like, AP classes or get them tutoring, all these things, right? Do all this extra work, which we have actually put a lot more work on parents than in previous generations. Um, and then we say, okay, yeah, now, and and make sure that you attend to their feelings. And I'm them, so glad you you're know. talking about this. Yes, yeah, yeah. so important. Yeah, so. Can I just say, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really important also to address the fact that sometimes children, since they don't know what anxiety feels like, mm-hmm. it might manifest totally. itself in a tummy ache yep. or yep. Yes. Know, a headache. Yep. I mean, there's so many different things because they're not going to say, mom, I feel anxious. Like, oh, yeah. They may not know what they're that They're not going to know so, it. Like my yep. son easily says probably four times a week, I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't want to go to school today, but I know he's has anxiety leading up to the day right. of going to school because he's having a really hard time um bonding with his peers yeah um you know my son's yeah. on the mm-hmm. uh, he's mm-hmm. autistic mm-hmm. and um he's just socially awkward mm-hmm. yeah so with that being said um of course he's gonna yes, have some anxiety, anxiety about that yes mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. yeah he's and diagnosed with, with anxiety yeah so. yeah and and, and that, i blame myself yeah See, that's because his thing. mother has anxiety, right? But that's and the my thing. mother has anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I, yeah. I. But here's the thing: where I need to be able. I'm speaking for myself right now because this is the only thing I have to uh, look at. Sure. But um, I at at some point in my life, I blame my mother for giving me anxiety because mm-hmm. she brought me up to be 
overly cautious mm -hmm. on how mm -hmm. to be in life. Like mm -hmm. she overly like mm -hmm. stressed me out yeah. at such a young yeah. age. And I have anger towards mm -hmm. her for that. Mm -hmm. You know, everything was like, oh my gosh, you can't go to the bathroom alone. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you, mm -hmm. you gotta be careful. Oh my gosh, what yeah. are you doing? Get off of that play structure. Or, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Erika, you know, like it, it's a hot like stove. Danger everywhere. Danger, yeah. danger. It's yeah. like I should have been placed in a bubble. Right, right. So yeah. I, in yeah. 2007, became a mom and guess what Erica did? She did the same thing. And then mm -hmm. when he had his oh, first yeah. seizure at 18 months, oh my gosh, God forbid, yep. he was in a bubble. I was yep. like, oh my gosh, yeah. I have to protect yeah. him. He can't play in the playground. Mm -hmm. No way. So yeah. my husband would be right behind him, making sure he was going down the stairs easily. <laughs> I mean, him going on a swing. I was mm -hmm. like, terrifying for yeah. me. Yep. So yeah, that's and, where the anxiety it, started for me. Exactly. And the thing and that's part of like uh like having your one your own emotional awareness and also just like education around where does this come from and how are we as human beings and as like animals, you know, like what right. what kind of instincts do we have? And one of the things that we have is um you know part of what they call like a reptilian brain it's like the older part of our brain that like reptiles also have that's why they call it reptilian brain okay. um is uh there's you know something called the amygdala people might not know it if they watched like forrest gump you know and like <laughs> oh no yeah no not forrest gump it's the um adam sandler movie where he's has the alley the, you know when the, he lives in like what is that called oh there's the football oh, and there's yes. like he's from like what movie is that? the It'll south gosh yes, what is it and about. he he calls it that he goes to college and he doesn't really know anything and he calls it like the uh, I'm de Gaulle. I don't know. He totally doesn't yeah, say it right. It's yeah, amygdala. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and he's got the I'm mom that like. Go blue. Yeah. Go, go yeah, and he plays football or something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny. But anyway, so um, he that was yeah that was my first uh, exposure to that word. And I was like oh. So anyway, so it's what it is. It's it's it regulates our fight, flight, or freeze response. Ooh. So we, which is what is activated with, with anxiety. So it's it's part of it is something that's naturally supposed to happen, right? So when we when our brains when we became homo sapiens i know this is like way back like scientific but but it matters um so when we became the species we became um we it was a long time ago but when we became modern day human beings um a long 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 time ago yeah. before we had all like houses to protect us from yeah. like animals and before we had um industrialized our like food system we had farming even right we were like hunter gatherers and yeah. so we had to look for food we had to be right aware of like animals that might want to eat us and things like that so we have something called um oh water boy water boy oh, yeah yeah, yeah that movie yeah okay so uh so if anyone's curious uh dying know. to know right um, we like to give our you know yeah, our listeners what we're talking yeah yeah <laughs> So we, um, so when we uh, we look, we have something called negativity bias. So we are going to notice things that are could be dangerous uh -huh. more. So like uh -huh. we see a bush with like berries, we're going to be like, oh, hold on, wait, is that the poison one? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, um, and we have I to mean, teach our kids that. Adam and Eve. I mean, yeah. right. And yeah. so when we, and we also have something called a, um, uh, like the bad stuff is. Sticky. It, this is, that's a term that I use in one of the video programs that I use with kids, animation programs. But it stays with us too. So we'll forget like the positive stuff rolls oh, off of us, and I the bad stuff sticks, yeah. right? Okay. So we are primed to notice the negative stuff. That's sad, right? But it's for survival. That's why how we survived as human beings. Wow. And so when we notice the bad stuff, our brain will notice things before our um, like this older part of our brain before our like 
awareness notices before we have like our thinking brains like our cognition like when Mm -hmm. you just have a thought and you're kind of trying to figure out what you to do and use you use it's the prefrontal cortex it's like the top part of our brain behind our forehead um and that is like the more modern brain we do not share that with reptiles (laughs) that's what sets us apart um and so that's logic and reasoning and all of those things uh, and so we, um, when our brain, uh, the amygdala part, will notice things long before, or like, I mean, it's not long before, but it's before our, we will be aware, right? So like you could know, like, let's say you, there's like an intruder coming into your house or whatever. There's going to be part of your brain's going to notice like some noises and yeah. it's going to go oh, grab the gun. Right. And it's before we wow. ever yeah. would. Yeah. Um, there's actually a great book called the gift of fear, um, that they, that, um, they, I learned when I worked, when I was a volunteer at the Tri-Valley Haven out in Livermore, they're um, domestic violence and sexual assault advocates. Um, uh, and they, um, it talks about how fear can really be a gift to us. And there's stories of women who were, um, you know, like raped, basically. The intruder in their house like came in and wow. they, they ignored certain things of fear. Like, why yeah. does he want to help me with my groceries? Like, that seems weird. I told him oh, no. And he's gosh. like, no, let me help you. And, you know, a woman who was, was raped and when she was raped the window was open in her apartment and then when he was done he walks through to the other part of the house but before he gets up or he gets up before he walks to the kitchen he shuts the window like that's kind of weird right so we can think about why is he shutting the window after he's done raping her right so she didn't have thoughts about this but all of a sudden she just got up her body just got up and went very slowly very quietly because the, the the door to the, the her front door was like between the kitchen and the living room and so she had to kind of be behind him and not have him notice and leaves, right? And escapes her house wow. and didn't even think about it. She finds out later, she calls the police and everything and they go and find the guy and he had been the guy that had been raping and murdering women. So her fear saved her, right? And and when that happens, you, you're you not thinking, hmm, what should I do? Like if a lion came in here, I often <laughs> use this with my, with my clients, if a lion came in here, we wouldn't say, hmm, Erica, like Aaron, what should we do? Should we use this chair to like right. do? We're not gonna think we that. We're going to just act like this. And the thing is, it's not foolish, right? Because our, what our brain is doing is using every bit of evidence that it has come over all of our life, right? And it's assessing all of these things that we cannot cognitively be aware of and all these old memories. And it's making a decision of what the best thing to do is. And so when it's a situation of survival and it's really fear, we definitely want to honor whatever strategy someone comes up with if they fight, if they run, if they freeze and play dead. There's right? a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. And we have to honor that fear. Where we get into trouble in the modern day is that we don't have, you know, lions coming out of us all the time. We don't have to worry about that poison bush very much, right? Or like, right. are we going to find enough food today? I mean, some if you're homeless, yeah, you are going to worry about that. But it's a little bit different. Like, so what often happens is our amygdala can get can misfire. And it can, so it's supposed to fire when there's a real threat to us, right? Um, and it can also fire for social threats because that's also about survival. So it's not just like the lion or am I going to get eaten or, or killed? Right. Um, but sometimes we get like a bill in the mail we can't pay, right? Well, we don't need our amygdala for that, right? We don't, like, well, what are you going to fight? You can run away from your bill? Like, that's not going to lead to like more problems, right? I mean, some of us do. Um, <laughs> that's going to catch up to us. But what we need is our prefrontal cortex to be working. But when the amygdala gets fired, when anxiety, so anxiety is different from fear. Fear is like real. There's a real threat. Anxiety is like there isn't actually a real threat. Um, but when that gets triggered, it actually um, bypasses our prefrontal cortex. So like we're not thinking about what to do with the lion. We're just acting. So it's the same thing. So if you get that bill, you can't pay. Or your child's behavior or their um, emotions 
maybe trigger the feeling of shame or like I'm bad, this is bad, and your your anxiety goes up really high, mm-hmm. then you can't really think through the best solution for mm-hmm. them. You can't be logical and reasonable because your brain is using all this old stuff from the past, but it's not like that situation. So yeah. it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, um, are we supposed to use like coping skills? Absolutely. And- so that's the thing. So where, you know, I definitely like teach, you know, a lot of parents like behavior strategies, but I'm always hesitant to go there first because um, if, and I know from personal experience with all the strategies that I have, if I'm like in that anxiety spiral, I'm really overwhelmed, frustrated, and I, my, I can't think things through all the stuff I have isn't going to, I don't even think about it. I f- completely forget about all my tools and I'll yell or I'll, you know, do things yeah, like, right. you know, that are not good parenting strategies, even though I know better. Right. So I know better, but in that moment, I don't no, know better. Exactly. I don't have access yeah. to that information. And so a parent practicing coping strategies are so important, you know, like deep breathing and mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness, meditation, all of that. Um, and self care ahead of time, right. Not just in that moment. I mean, definitely when you're in that moment, then you try to step back and go, Oh, I noticed myself getting really frustrated. Let me go take take a breather. We often do it too late, though, right? We need to be aware of how we feel way earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and the other thing is practicing, you know, all kinds of different self care, you know, routines before and trying to minimize stress in general. But that is again, we, we lead from the personal becomes political, you know, to to like quote like right. the um, women's movement of like the 1960s. Um, is that the things that are happening in our personal life really are political? Really are part of society at large? Because how many moms do you know that really have time to and even just to be able to remember to say, oh, let me do my morning, you know, yoga. No, let me do my morning meditation before I get up and get out of bed. No. Some do. And the moms that I do meet, it's like everything is like totally different. And like mm. they might not know all the parenting strategies that, that I have to give them, but like they don't really need them almost, right? Because they're able to be more attuned with their children. They're able to meet the needs before it becomes desperation and their own needs as well. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Sorry. also some families and mothers who don't have the means. Exactly. That's that, why I'm yeah. glad that we're talking yeah. about that because we have we might have some listeners who don't who are mm-hmm. single moms and they don't have the means yep. to right. go to a therapist right. and discuss right. this. So I'm glad you're handing yeah. out these tools. Yeah. And again, if you can't afford to go yoga, you can easily take a walk. Yeah, yeah. A walk. Yeah, you can do it at or home. Group of girlfriends yes. and go visit yes. a waterfall. Yes. Waterfalls. Yep. Go on a hike. Yep. Go and, hiking or rucking. Or try rucking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Is sometimes we have to schedule it in because I know even for myself. I'll get so into like work, 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 or and, and I actually yeah. I really love my work. I like it. So it's not like you know old jobs I have in the past. I'd be like, I can't wait, you know, till the weekend. I want to be off. But now I'm like five o'clock. Yeah, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, oh, I have, I didn't get all the thing, everything I want to get done, and like I don't right. want the time to go by fast. Yeah. But um, but when I so I, I'll forget how good it feels to like walk along the beach, you know, or even yes. just go for a walk in my yeah. neighborhood. You know, and I don't live in a fancy neighborhood at all, but it's still nice to like go for a walk. Yeah. And you just forget right. how, how good it feels. Right. Or even to do like a little exercise video that's like 15 minutes, like, you know, or the yoga. Exactly. There's a great uh, exactly. Cosmic Kids Yoga. There's a YouTube channel. Oh, Cosmic yes, Yoga. Done that yeah, I love I love it. Oh, and there she you tells go. these little stories we, for kids about through the yoga poses. Yes, mm-hmm. we, oh, so okay. we tried that yeah. as a family. We're trying yeah. to do family yoga at yeah. six o'clock because yeah. the kids go to bed 
seven. Mm-hmm. So, and we don't want to have any screen time between um, six to seven. Mm-hmm. You know, nice. To kind yeah. of prepare them for bed and yeah. Like, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. Such a good so, structure. Yeah. So we do that all together. Oh, and that's awesome. what I was going to say. You don't have to go to a yoga class. You can just you do know. it in yeah. your living yeah. room. Yeah. Or and go in your car and tune yeah. into the calm. Yeah. I listen to the calm map. Yep. There you go. The that's calm map yeah. is amazing. And the other thing, Great too, is we have to get to not only do people sometimes not have the financial resources, but they also might not have the uh, emotional resources, the mental resources to even remember to do this. Like right. this is another task yeah. now, I know. right? Oh, now I have yes. to, you know, implement, you know, like, you know, family Thank yoga night, right? Like it's another it. chore. Yes. That is true. Yeah. Become, single moms who don't have babysitters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so yeah. take that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when and your so, kids are sleeping mm-hmm. or when you're in the mm-hmm. shower, right. you know, just right. or tune into the mimosa mamas. Right, and yeah. that's, a, that's one of the things I like about your guys' podcast so much is that we really have to de-shame that and look at like okay we have maybe our best laid plans like like I know bedtime would probably be better if we fell out of bedtime schedule but you know what I don't have it in me that's not my foot I'm just whatever the kids gonna sleep with us right now like that's not what I'm working on right now if it so obviously I would say I would you know caveat that with whatever the main big pain point then it might be good to focus on that one because then you can you know if you're not getting any sleep that's probably not good but um but the point of like not judging yourselves or each other and being able to say because this is one of the other like biggest uh, things that are going to help you with anxiety and depression is um one the connection with others right to be able to say oh my god my kid puked and I wondered why I became a mom this morning you know or whatever you know (laughs) and to say that my kid puked my my cat puked and my dog just took a shit in the living room and I yeah and I'm ready to get in the car (laughs) and and drive to Canada or Mexico yeah Yeah. (laughs) and change my name I'm going to Rosarita yeah or Tijuana I'm away I'm going away exactly and I've had time I've had times where I have thought like what did I get myself into like like with my kids like I after having my do. second I was yeah. like what was I thinking it was like about until the first like till like after she was six months old where I was like okay I got this but I was really wondering like was I stupid for planning <laughs> to have another another kid and then and also with my fourth it's kind of the same thing where I'm like maybe this is too much I can't handle this would you like a little more <laughs> sure um and that that has to be and or like being able to say, oh yeah, my little one, he's kind of going through a cussing phase right now. And like, <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. Yeah, my son really does. Like he drops f bombs no, like no other. Yeah, he's three. Yeah. He's three. Yeah. And he also was my only out of four I that was a biter. Him. And I, here I'm like this mental health, you know, therapist, and I'm everything's about like love and kindness, and I want to treat my kids to be nice, good little citizens. And my last baby bites. You know, and I'm like, oh, he's the only one. Like he would, Mine he would was get, a biter yeah, too. he would get mad when we'd stop him. He was offended. He would cry, like <laughs> as if we were like denying him. I think so. I think it might have been some sensory kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. And so when he's in preschool, another kid bit him, and the teacher was like, oh, she felt she, she's like, well, I'm, we told this, we did this. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm actually kind of glad, like because I'm not gonna bite him. Like I would not recommend that because you're teaching your Why kid. Why not? Because I'm bigger and stronger. No, I know. A lot, but a lot of parents will say that. Oh, I'm gonna show you what it feels like, right? Yeah. No, I totally. Get it. And t- trust me, like when so my kids like to like fight a lot, and I just don't. I'm sensitive, I guess, to pain. I don't like it. I'm like, you can feel with dad. Dad likes it, you know. Yeah. You know. But there have been times where I'm like, ah, oh, like I want to like elbow my kid in the you know ribs too, you know. 
but and like but when when that happened at school I was like good and it actually kind of helped like oh, he it's like he 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 needed to see I guess that uh, that could yeah. happen too you know yeah. but I don't want it to come from someone so bigger and stronger that has like the attachment you know right. trust and all that that's why right. I wouldn't do it to him but um that's a good point yeah but anyhow so he so but being able to say that to be like yeah, yeah like he's a biter or like oh he's got this dimple that lets him get away with everything and you know <laughs> the parent I was when my first two kids I was so young I was 20 and 23 when I had them and I wanted to be perfect yeah, yeah. and I was on board with everything I'd be like oh honey like that you it's really you important to share no, no well not not with the household let me tell you oh, like I've okay. never been good at housework <laughs> like I'm the worst like actually I actually created a lot of problems in my first marriage but I'm just not good with that you know but I was on top of everything with them and like hey, you know, it'll make people happy when, when you share with them. You know, your friends will be sad if they don't have any toys, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. You know, my oldest was so amazing and sweet and wonderful and would let her little sister play with all of her toys. I mean, she'd be unwrapping wow. her presents her oh, fifth birthday wow. and then putting them down. Thank you, thank you. Putting them down to get the next and her little sister opening them and playing with them. And she's looking at her like, oh, that's so cute, you know. Oh, and so can here we clone her. Right, that's right. Amazing. And so here I thought like, oh, I'm like, I am such a good mom. Like, I did wow. all this to her, you know. Wow. And of course, there were some things I did, of course. Yeah, Fourth one, and I'm like oh he's biting <laughs> and this is a no more and have more you know or his brother my um son he'll be nine and at the end of august when he was little and i'm telling him hey it's good to like share with your with your friends and stuff he's like but i want it and i'm like I, I, okay and i'm like okay right and then i'm like well well but it'll make your friends happy if they get to play with toys too well i'd be like well it makes them sad to not have anything but I want it. Like he just didn't have the empathy. Yeah. He didn't care. And so then someone again, working in the mental health field and like, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, so, but if I was, if I was the same mom, I was in my 20, my early twenties as I was with, you know, my, my sons who are the younger ones, I would probably feel a ton of shame you know, and thinking I'm doing something wrong because of the, my work, because the work I'm already doing, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to teach them all these things. Yeah. But now, and this is the part of like, one of my whole like things about um, being an authentic parent is kind of like, I guess the thing I preach is that we need to enjoy our kids and they need to see that we enjoy it for real. And so when, when, but when we have all this shame of they're supposed to be a certain thing or they're a reflection of us, of our parenting skills, then it's really hard to like laugh when your three-year-old drops an F-bomb, you know, or if you're totally just push away, you know, that you don't, you know, if you don't care at all, but, um, then so yeah so we're now I'm like oh we're gonna have to do something about that one day <laughs> you know and his sisters are like mom what happens if he goes to kindergarten I'm like I know we're gonna well, you know he'll get in trouble we have to like we'll just all start ignoring it or you know like there'll be a plan but like right yeah. now like I'm also gonna laugh you know I'm also I mean maybe I don't want him to hear me laugh all the time you know of course because he'll keep doing it yeah. but like inside I can still be like that's really funny you know and just go with it and just yeah. go and enjoy you know your time with the kids because but what if your kid is like spilling slime all over your beautiful hardwood floors I mean I would yeah. just be like well there's a couple of things <laughs> right so here's the thing here's the other thing that's really, so this so the other part that I wanted to get back to the self-compassion too and self-worth and knowing I get to have my life and like kind of the things I like and what I want and I really yeah. want these like you know floors um and yeah. also compassion you know and that the things I want and need are okay and if I um kind of get that really bothers me and I think I should be like you know and if you guys you know normally would do like air quotes you know I should <laughs> you know be patient and know that like my kids playing is more important than my floors right or whatever oh my 
but that's just the shoulds is the is you don't want to do that like you got to stop yeah. shooting yourself you know um and it has to be i want to and if yourself. you know or and if you can't answer if you can't say i want to do like i want to clean my clothes because and you can't answer that yeah. then don't do it like you're an adult you can do whatever the hell you want you know like you don't need permission from, you don't yeah you do what you want so you might say i want to uh do laundry because i want clean clothes tomorrow right yeah. that's got to be the reason not because just you should so anyhow so even with the kids so if you think okay, well, it's really going to bother me if they get slime on the floor, right? You get to make the rules for your own house. That's another reason why I don't make rules, I don't tell parents like what your rules should be. I mean, I will tell them if some things are maybe like developmentally appropriate for their kids, of mm-hmm. course. Um, because if they're like, well, my rule is my kid has to be able to fly. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to set yourself up for failure. But, but if you, you know, like for me, there's rules I don't have because I don't, I'm not going to be able to enforce them. So I don't have a rule of, Everybody take off their shoes. I wish I could have implemented that one, but that ship has sailed. Like it is what it is. And I'm not I'm not gonna spend like all my time and focus and energy teaching everyone to be compliant with that rule and catching everyone at right. the door. You know, and that's just not worth my time right now. So well, I'm you not, have four children. Yeah, I'm just not gonna do it. If I had done it early on from day one, then that'd be fine. But I didn't yeah. even grow up like that. So it would I would have to train myself first, you know. I don't have a rule of not eating in the car or oh. of not jumping on the furniture or putting feet on the furniture. Oh, interesting. And part of that is that's for me. Other so here's the here's the flip side though. My car's gonna get dirty. There's gonna be McDonald's yeah. trash. I mean there I remember posting something French on fries. Facebook like a year yeah. ago, like it looks like a party happened in the back of my car. <laughs> you know, because I have three rows and I never I don't really look back there, you know, because I'm yeah. always in the driver's seat. I look back and I'm like We've got Cheetos and popcorn and Starbucks and we got like, oh my gosh. You're an amazing mother. And sometimes I'm like, what's that smell? You know, like it's, oh, that's that chai latte that William didn't drink two weeks ago. You know, and so that, so I, but this is a choice I make as a parent, right? No, you're right. I can't focus on that. That is too much work for me. Yeah. So then I'm going to go ahead and take, I can tolerate my car being messy sometimes. Now, of course it gets to a point where I'm like, well, this is causing more anxiety. So let's clean the car, you know, um, or like, I can't, I don't want to be, I don't have the mental focus or like the reserves inside of myself. Kind of like money, like you have only a certain amount of money yeah. to budget. Um, so we have to do that when it comes to our, you know, time and our energy. And that includes your emotional energy too. And I don't have it in me to be like, oh, you're not supposed to have your feet on the furniture. You know, no, if my okay. kid gets on the furniture and they have shoes on, I'll be like, hey, take your shoes off the furniture. It'll be like a one-off. Like, hey, your shoes are probably dirty. Take them off. Or I don't want your shoes on me yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I would never tell other people these are the rules you should have. Right. Right. It's got to be what's right for you. For and you. some families... If your kid's running through the house and they're loud and super loud, the parent might get start to get really um, like overstimulated and really you know more have more anxiety, more frustration. That's me. Yeah, and you're more snap, right? That's so if you're me. that type of parent, then that means you get to make a rule. You can you can if you want to make a rule of no running in the house. And he Perfectly knows that. fine, right? Oh my yeah. son. But there's He's nothing wrong with that. Disciplined with that. Yeah. But see, but that's but here's yeah. the thing. And then I know like I make kids make slime. My child clients, we make slime in my office, right? Oh, you're so I do. So have nice. I do have more than one parent who does it because they, they can take it home too wow. but I do have more than one parent who does not want their kid to have slime at home right that's both of us so yes. we so what I do with those kids is they make theirs and then they put it like I have a hid, like a secret hiding spot so like it's only theirs because everything else on my office kids like I don't say you can't play with that you know I just let them yeah. whatever but those all set aside for those kids and the thing is is that like with like in that situation 
the parents know like their limit, right? They know like if I have that in my house, then I'm gonna be worried and stressed out of like where are they? Play- I have to manage it. Where are they playing with it? What's oh, happening, yeah. right? And it, it, and if they have, if you have hard floors, it's a little bit easier, of course. Can't, but what if there's carpet or whatever it is? Oh, but or, tile. Yeah. Or sleep. now, yeah. I mean, oh, now gosh. I like I don't want my son playing with some. He needs. She's they have to be supervised. Yes. Thinking about exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like when with you know. <laughs> I'll have made it with my little guy and then we play with it for a while, but it's like on the counter and like, and like if he was taking it all by himself a lot, he can't really open the thing. But, um, then I'd be like, we need to put this out of sight, out of mind yeah. because he needs to be supervised with something like that. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, because otherwise it'll be a big mess everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to, just this morning, literally I was FaceTiming with my friend and she, we walked past or she walked past her kitchen and I saw slime on her counter and her kids were playing with it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they have slime. And she's like, it's okay. I'm fine with it. Like they know it can only be on the counter. And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Yeah. But you know, that was okay with her. Right. And she right. suffers from anxiety and depression. Right. Oh wow. wow. She does. I credit her. I know, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. That's she, a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Right. But in myself as well. Yeah. So if, if she was, was able to really teach them too exactly. where to do it and they're compliant with it, that's yeah. probably less anxiety for her than if she's restricting it and then they're doing it like behind her back or something. Exactly. I have anxiety when we have guests coming in our house like our friends and their their kids come in and i'm mm-hmm. thinking holy heck what did you bring if right. you have glitter or slime <laughs> with you <laughs> i'm gonna have a little bin so in the funny. front of the door that says drop no glitter, glitter drop your glitter yeah. Yeah. and drop your slime because well, see like for me so like for me when it me yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. one of my main Anxiety. goals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I grew up where my mom did. My dad was an alcoholic, but not like not like a violent kind where we were all like scared of him or anything like that. But just kind of like I'm gonna sit out in the backyard and like drink my beer, like leave me alone. And so my mom, my mom was a working mom, and so um, she was very. And we all we all played softball like a lot. We were a big softball family, and so we were very busy, a very busy family. So my mom is like, and she, my mom grew up with. Her mom being working part time, and then my mom also did like all the kids did a lot of chores. A lot of she started cooking when she was ten years old, cooking dinner for the family of six, and wow, yeah. Really and so, my, yeah, and the standards were high. Like the like her like my grandma would spend like all day like, like every week you wash and you know all the sheets and all of that you you know clean up clean up everything. So oh, yeah. so my mom's trying to like maintain those standards while also being a full time mom with kids that are involved in a lot of sports. And she always told herself, I'm not gonna miss like the softball game to stay home and clean my house. So she didn't want to do that, but that meant that she was really, so our house wasn't like that clean, but like, I mean, it was clean, but it was cluttered. You know, we always had like a mess, but she did like make sure it wasn't like gross, gunky stuff, like bacteria or whatever, but she was stressed a lot, right? So if someone spilled milk, totally accident, she's just like, oh, like again, you know, because she had too much on her plate all the time. So she was super, super stressed. And so there would be a lot of like that yelling kind of stuff. And so, and I always felt like bad for her, you know, being like the, I was the youngest in the family and I was like, you know, real empathetic and be like, oh, but not bad enough because also I didn't have the self-discipline as a kid. So I would make messes. Like I would do like terrible things like like flick sunflower seed shells on the floor like ridiculous right like oh. she would be working and I I had oh. we had this rocker recliner oh. I would flip it on its side or the back and sit on the back and we, you know and then sit there with sunflower seed shells just like flick. so one the oh rocker recliner is going to get worn out that way right yeah. and we would rock rock and make it fall you know and oh. we didn't have a lot of money at the time and then she'd come I mean I think and so I learned a lot from watching what I did and how my mom responded and she would come home just being like defeated and she didn't have time to teach us to do chores and to clean up but so so I look at you know my goal was to like 
try to always try to like, get through the day without yelling. Like that's my like, kind of like almost like that's how I measure success. And I don't meet it most of the time. That's okay. So because you have to have self compassion. Self compassion is like shoot. If I screw up, if I get an F, if I fail, I- I'm gonna be a friend to myself. Just like you would a friend rather than judge and be like, oh, you're you suck or you're crappy. You know, yeah. it's just like hey, it's okay. You know, it's one of those things. You know, like you're still yeah. valuable even though you screwed up. You know, and it's gonna get that's better. Awesome. And yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing. Right so here. there's self worth and self compassion are the two main things you really want to look at. And, um, and to, to, you know, work on increasing self-worth and then learn how to give yourself that compassion. And to kind of avoid shame. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So part of the reason why my mom was probably, you know, freaking out sometimes too, is because she had those old standards and not thinking, well, my life isn't that way. And even if it was, so what? I want to go and be a part of our kids stuff. And even though like my parents didn't have, you know, the best emotional awareness and they, there are certain things they just didn't know, um, they probably could have used, you know, a lot of therapy too, and they, and they didn't. They both had their own childhood traumas. But they, the the kind of saving grace, I think, for us was that both my parents, even though my dad was not alcoholic and he could be kind of emotionally distant, you know, at times, was that they were so involved in all of our activities. And so they show, they show up, you know. And so that helped us know that you're valuable, you're important, we're interested in your life and what you're doing. And that's one way. Not everybody doesn't have to do that to go to every right. practice and every game. I think it's probably more important to go to, some of the stuff and then take good care of yourself too, of course. But at least I, I knew that, you know? So even if they didn't always know the right things to say or do or, or whatever, or to like teach my sisters to like not be jerks or whatever, you know, big siblings, I'm the youngest in my family. But you know, like you're not always gonna be able to do that, right? Yeah. But at least they, we knew they care. There's that hard evidence that yes. they're showing up. Showing um, up, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because I don't wanna, and, and you know, there was the yelling thing and my, my goal is to like not yell too, that, um, I'll just, I make my list of priorities and I'll just take, just chuck stuff off. Like, like that's not going to be here. Like first priority, like is everybody eats, you know, <laughs> today, you know, right. and that's we get to like one. where we need to go, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, and yeah, and that you can pay the bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Um, do you feel that, uh, shame can lead to depression? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Totally. Huge. And low self, sense wow. of self-worth. And I agree. Well, yeah. I had, I had two miscarriages and mm-hmm. I placed shame on myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's that's, very and I'm very open mm-hmm. to sharing with mm-hmm. our listeners mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. I suffered from depression, mm-hmm. especially after ha- suffering from two miscarriages. Yeah. Because I was shaming myself. Talk yeah. about throwing yeah. rocks at yourself. Right. You know? And that is so common. As a woman. Yeah. Women who have in, you know, infidelity or, or not infidelity, um, infertility. Sorry. I mean that too, but oh, infidelity. Infidelity. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's actually true. Yeah. There's a I mean, lot of all shame this, in that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. With and divorce. Yeah. Totally. You blame yourself. Right. Like right. what did I do wrong in the marriage? Mm-hmm. Right. What could I have done, what could I have done right. different? Right. Even right. especially, I'm glad you said infidelity. Mm-hmm. Actually. That was a. That is meant to happen, huh? That's a Freudian slip. That is a good one because that leads into depression. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of women out there um, are going through the divorce or you could be listening and and be going through a separation that's leading to divorce and your husband or your wife Mm -hmm. has stepped out of the marriage and has hooked up with somebody else. And you, you instantly shame yourself without even telling your girlfriends or your outlet like mm-hmm. your people some people might be like, embarrassed even that people know that it even happened or and a lot yes. of times we say you made a fool of me right is what yes, we, like, one right. of the things that hurts the most yes. it's like how could you make I'm me look so, so stupid glad you said this mm-hmm. yeah accidentally yeah and yes there's yes. a lot of shame yeah. in there. and here's the other thing shame and low self-worth can actually lead to you know, infidelity and divorce <laughs> because wow. what is the biggest one of the bigger causes of infidelity and divorce is emotional disconnection 
Like we are wired to connect as human beings. We have to have that connection. Our instincts tell us to be connected because if we're not, we die. So we, we can, none of us can live alone. We have to have a complex right. society, right? right? And a long, long, long time ago when we had villages and tribes and you know we didn't have a city after city after city, if you, like one of the biggest punishments that people would give you it was not the death penalty, like as far as execution, it was being excommunicated from the, the community, mm-hmm. like being kicked out of the community because mm-hmm. you're sent packing on your own. Wow. To, and it could be miles and miles and miles before the next village or tribe. And so, and you're on foot, so you could die on your way there. Or when you get there, they don't know you, they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. So they their survival depends on their social network and they might not want an outsider in because they don't know if they're going to hurt them, right? So our, we're wired to be connected. And when you're a baby, like you can't live by yourself. Your whole right. life depends on having your caregivers love you enough to not sleep and get spit up on and deal with everything you deal with. When I've seen a lot of addiction is caused by the lack of connection mm-hmm. with people. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people that I know that are addicts or mm-hmm. recovering addicts, it's because they didn't have that emotional yeah. connection with yep. people yep. to kind of yep. get them out of that right. bad spot, you know? Right. So, I mean, that yes. is yes. It's literally what makes yes. the world go around. Right. And yes. oftentimes when we don't that have it, mm-hmm, and when we don't have it in childhood, we... Um, we might, and we, and we do, if we do suffer from, from the, you know, shame and low self-worth, we're afraid to open up and connect. Like intimacy is so scary for so mm-hmm. many people. I mean, you have to be vulnerable. And like, I, 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 some people think, well, I'm intimate. Like they, oh, my husband knows everything about me. But what I would say is to really look at it is when you, so there's a difference between like intimacy is about the here, the now, the connection right, right here. So it's one thing to say yesterday I was mad. It's another thing to be like right here right now I'm starting to feel really angry. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart's beating really fast. And imagine doing that, make it what's called what we call a process processing comment in therapy and I'll do that with my clients sometimes where it's rather than just talk about the content you're saying I noticed a shift right now. I said this and you looked away, mm-hmm. right? And I felt like like where did you go? You know, you're not here with me or whatever it is or I'm I'm afraid and I want to I want to hide from you right now. You know, and that's you. That's when we're really open and vulnerable, and you feel like emotionally naked, right? And and that's very, very difficult. And it's uh, and it's that's all about shame. If you really wow. see me, you might not want me. I might not be acceptable to you. Wow. You know, so um, it's kind of like being embarrassed, but like way deeper than just like embarrassment. You know. There's so many topics we need to have you and back. To we will because, be having yeah. Joni back for other um, yeah. episodes. She, I, we would love to have you as our, She's um, probably our, resident, our resident therapist. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, there's so much more to lead into depression. Um, like I shared with you before we were talking in my kitchen, I was watching Good Morning America the other morning, of course, like always, because I love GMA. Shout out to Good Morning America. So um, they have a uh, news correspondent. Her name is Dr. Jen Ashton. And um, Dr. Jennifer Ashton um, just came on and they did an interview on her and her husband committed suicide. She has this book called, or she just released this book, um, Life After Suicide. And she was going through the process of divorce. And again, we were talking about infidelity and how... Um, shame goes in it leads on because of you know because of divorce Mm -hmm. so um, let's touch on depression and Mm -hmm. it leading on to suicide because a lot of people don't talk about those 
those um, feelings mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, is is life even worth it? Yep. And I'm I've I've been trying to be an open book with everyone on the podcast, and I'm okay with sharing that I've had times. Uh, one time when I was in my twenties, where I did feel like I was going through a lot, and I just kind of felt like, what's the whole purpose to life? And you know, mm-hmm. should I just? end it yeah and then fast forward to many years later and you know being a mom and being overwhelmed and after my second miscarriage I went just a quick few minutes I thought you know I just want to go and be with my babies I'm gonna try to say this without crying oh no and then I thought well I have my son here on earth Mm -hmm. and I need Mm -hmm. to live for him and I can't do it. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Don't be sorry. I've never shared that with anyone. And it's so important mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for me because I know there's a lot of people that suffer in silence. It's not like you're going to pick right. up the phone and tell your girlfriend, hey, I'm thinking about ending my life or telling your right. husband, hey, hmm, I'm thinking about ending my life here. Right. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the blessing of this podcast and I feel alive again and again I wasn't I didn't act out on it it was just a thought it was Mm -hmm. a simple thought Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what's the whole point you know I just want to be with my babies right right and you know it what you say it's it's so important you know to to bring that up and to show how you know real that is and like you said you haven't you didn't you, you know share that Right with 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 a lot of people, you know, no, <laughs> and let that only out. To myself, right, yeah. and and a lot of times I think you know when you're well, well for one even people with anxiety can be suicidal as well, um, but it's a starts to be about like no hope or no purpose, right? And so it, what's the point, right? That that's that's kind of what usually leads, in, and we'll go a little bit more about that uh, leads to the risk of suicide or suicide attempts, but um, a lot of times you know, for someone who is suicidal because of depression, um, you're already isolating yourself, right? We're already, with, with depression, we, we tend to want to be alone. We tend to want to um, just, you know, maybe sit in our beds, go in our den, you know, in our cave, right? Yes, kind of yes. like protect ourselves from the world. And so if that's the space that we're in, then it, then people don't really know how much we're suffering, right? Because we're not connecting to them. Yeah. And it's actually really hard to be depressed and not be connected, you know. Um, and so w- w- it would be really hard to tell, right? It's going to be, like, right. shocking, surprising, blindsiding people. Right. And if you're depressed, like, you don't want that. You don't want, like, so with anxiety, there's all this emotion, right? There's all this energy, right? And it's, it's nervous. It's not comfortable energy, but it's right. energy. Right. Um, and it can exhaust you. With depression, the energy is depleted already. So who wants to go and say or do something that's going to bring all this energy in again, right? It's wanting yeah. to avoid all that and push it away. Yeah. So, so the very nature of depression and um, so it's what called suicide suicide ideation. So you're like you have like an idea of suicide, right? You're you're yeah. thinking about it, um, is just the nature of it in itself leads to not seeking out and getting you know and getting help, you know. So yeah. um, it's very normal. And what a lot of the people don't know is that. So many people have thought about suicide at one point in their exactly. life. It is very, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but it is way up there. Most people at some point, more than half, you know, have had that. Because ultimately it is a 
choice. I mean, it is it's a, a yeah. option. It's, it's yeah. Help. I mean, when you're in pain, it's not like it's not, yeah. you know, so people contemplate it. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I mean, I think a lot of people have suffered from depression, but, um, in the more, you know, fuller form. So when I say, uh, more than half, you know, people, I think it's even greater, probably greater than 75% at some point in their life. It doesn't mean that they were about to though, but at least the thought of, well, maybe, maybe like, what would it be like if I wasn't here? Right. Maybe people would be better off without me. Exactly. You know, because yeah. that's something I could do, you know, yeah. contemplating, you know, would that be a good way out? And so one, so one of the things that um, we want to look at too is what are the protective factors? So when someone is, and even Erin, if it's yourself, feeling like there's no hope, there's no way out, you know, other than that, that's usually what it leads to. People will say, what causes um, suicide? What causes suicide attempts? And our teen, you know, teens are have teens, way higher, yes. you know, it, it keeps climbing, you know, the rates of suicide attempts amongst teens. Um, and people will say, is it social media? Is this, what are, what's causing this, right? And those are things that actually cause the thing, you know, or factors that contribute to the thing. And the thing is usually a lack of hope and thinking that things won't get better and that they cannot stand the pain any longer, you know. And sometimes people that have had, especially like really long lingering depression that just has been really resistant to to um, therapy and resistance to change and it's kind of known they, they actually teach us this in, in school to be a therapist is that if you have a client who's depressed and has been depressed for a very long time and all of a sudden they start to seem better that's actually something to be very aware of and to, oh. to check for safety on that because sometimes they start feeling better because they have hope because they've planned suicide uh-huh. so things are I've, yeah I've things are getting I, there's I've a way out I feel good that. now and when they're making plans or trying to tie in these yeah. ends they're trying to you know maybe um uh, say sorry for things or like close yeah. things up, right? That's a sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make sure that you know that you know. In that case, um, with the the um, with the doctor, yeah, with the doctor and her, you know, ex husband, they had no signs. Yeah. Well, she one of the said, things was the. I mean, I don't know this case at all, at, yeah. at all. But what what makes me kind of think of is things are getting kind of closed up and finalized and dealt with. The business business stuff is getting dealt with. Well, she yeah. commented on how they were talking about co-parenting and how he yeah, bought that's an apartment surprising. Yeah. across the that's way a, yeah. from them. I, I don't know if it was, it was, yeah. it, they were about 10 minutes proximity. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about co-parenting their teenage mm-hmm. children. They had one in college and right. Dr. Jennifer Ashton said, you know, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I have his friends coming to me and family saying, we didn't even know. Yeah. And he just decided one day just yeah. to jump off yeah. the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and here, well, another thing about it is that it, anxiety can also be, like, can also lead to depression. And sometimes it, lo- it looks almost more, like, impulsive, too. Like, where sometimes, like, if someone's been depressed for a really, really long time, they tend to plan the suicide. They have more time to think about it, contemplate it. And so they make plans. But someone who's, I mean, if you're thinking about when you're feeling anxious or really stressed really overwhelmed you know and you're in that like I like to call like the tornado (laughs) like parents it feels Mm -hmm. like you're in a tornado sometimes um you just want it to stop right and and I've had clients before who they'll just be like you know walking down the street and they're suffering from maybe PTSD or whatever and it's so hard and they just have this urge to just like jump in front of a car or like crash their car you know and it's and that's actually one of the scariest parts because there's like no time to intervene it's impulsive 
And so, um, so it couldn't, it, it, with him again, I don't even know, but that's another thing to look at is, was it anxiety versus depression, especially cause there's like plans being made, you know, for a future plan and stuff yeah. versus like closing things down. So Joni, is that what's happening when like you hear a mother will like drive into a lake or like. Postpartum depression yeah, is that a one I'm not sure. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if it like, again, it's when you look at like the impulsivity versus planned, you yeah. know, is kind of the thing. Yeah. I'm not sure in those cases. Okay. Um, that, cause those are kind of like a, uh, more, it's like almost like a phenomenon in a way. I mean, you, you hear about them a lot, like they're really, really common, but that's because they're so big, right? It's such a big, big deal, deal. Yeah. that it gets a lot of yeah. attention. Now, right. now don't get me wrong. Like postpartum depression isn't that, isn't that rare. Right. And, and the feeling of being overwhelming, being like, God, I don't even, I, I freaking what? don't even want to have this kid no more, you know, like I wish this baby would go away. I mean, that's common, right? But to to actually go as far as to do something, that's not as common. We just, we just hear it. Right. There was that one mother who jumped out. Her dad was driving Mm -hmm. her to therapy. I want to say, don't quote me. I I think it was. And they were on the freeway and, um, she had tried to commit suicide, uh, weeks before and she didn't, um, it didn't, yeah, it wasn't successful. And she was in the car with her dad and he was driving her to therapy. She opened the door in the freeway and she jumped out. And of course she died. And that definitely, it sounds more impulsive versus planned. Because most people would try to avoid, you know. But the other thing to be aware of too, like, because I I have... you know, a family member of mine who, um, uh, his dad wasn't a blood family member of mine, but obviously the family member was, but committed suicide, um, when he was five. And it's like, just, it, I mean, this was before I was even born, you know? Um, but, and it's just like, it becomes family legacy, you know, and it's actually good in my family that we talked about it rather than not talking about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, oftentimes it can leave one, you know, people wondering like, why, like, how could they do that? Why didn't they love me enough? You know, and the thing is, is like the pain is so great. That's all they can think about. Right. You know, and, and I, and I like to kind of like, obviously this is not the same thing, but just to get an idea of like when you're like, let's say you're coming home with all your kids. Right. And there's like their stuff in their bag and like, you have to like wait for them to get out of the car. Maybe they need help unbuckling or whatever. And you have to pee. Like how friendly are you to your kids? How, how, how much are you aware of like their feelings and their, like your attachment with them and making sure you're nice to them? No, you're like, hurry up, let's go. I got to pee. Come on, come on. Right. So when you have a need or a pain that starts to take precedence, right. And that's all, that's what you can think about. And so it's so important to be aware of for, as far as prevention for any, any psychological issue is that emotional awareness to be aware of like, how do I feel? What do I need? And to know that you're worthy of getting those needs met and to know that you are, and so is your partner. And so are your friends and family and all that, instead of us being so like judgy of ourselves and then judging other people, right? Like, Oh, why do you, sometimes we're too afraid to help people or reach out because we don't have enough even for ourselves to take care of ourselves and we're afraid to ask for help. Right. So then to offer help, then all we're doing is continuing to deplete ourselves, you know, and then we don't have the connection and we don't, you know, have all that. So it's really important to, um, and for us not to be, you know, I had this professor a long time ago. I'll never forget it. I mean, this has been more than 15 years, you know, and she was a social psychology professor and she says, you know, we all have special needs. You know, when we think of someone like being disabled, having special needs, we have compassion, empathy. Most of the time we, we would like to you know, hope that we do. But 
um, she was saying like, oh, I was on the freeway and I was behind someone who was driving really, really slow, you know, and you know, it's easy to get frustrated with people like that. Right. And so she's like, but this woman, the woman in front of me that was driving, she had a special need. She didn't need to drive slower. Like, you know, she had, you know, uh, maybe her reflex time wasn't as, as high, or maybe she just kind of scares her a little bit to like go that fast or, or whatever it is. And so recognizing that we all have our like needs and we might not know that someone has a certain need, but you know, they're doing whatever they're doing for a reason. And we often get so mad when people are like in our way, right? Or like inconveniences, all of that. Why? Because we're always stressed and overwhelmed. So it's hurry, 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 go. Don't impede on my me going and getting my stuff done. Right. All this like rushed, rush kind of stuff. And we need to slow down. And, you know, and it's not someone else's like job to like never take up space or in the world or never slow us down just so we could be faster, you know? But again, it all comes back then to society at large and like politics too like how is our society set up and how do we um do we support families you know or do we at all you know or are we you know is our economy running on the backs of people just working way too hard or like whatever it is you know and and really think about that and we do get to decide what kind of community we want to live and what things we want for our citizens and and how we come together to create you know like schools for instance right like that's what it is we're coming together and saying we want an educated public so let's create a public school system you know that's how you know in banding together and um we we often forget about that when it comes to mental health yeah we do we do and this whole topic it, it all ties in together anxiety depression and it leads into suicide. It can, yeah. it can, it can lead, lead into, into suicide. suicide. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we're um, sitting here with you yeah. and discussing. Oh, and the, the perspective factors, real quick, though. Oh, yeah, please. Or about that, yeah. Yes. So um, looking when you're looking at other people, you do definitely, is what I do is assess for, for, for protective factors. So like if they have a family and they wouldn't want to leave their family. Now, some people still will, but you can ask someone, like I would, you know, it's like how, you know, well, what stops you, you know, if they feel like they're suicidal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to hurt, you know, my family. I wouldn't want my kids to, like, see me or abandon them or things like that that's a protective factor it doesn't mean it's not going to happen obviously we know it's happened you know but it's a protective factor um and if they have like plans too again with that situation he did have some plans as far as co-parenting plans but right. you know but if someone stops talking about their college plans let's say for instance like an adolescent things like that and they stop t- talking about that stuff we want to be aware of that um, and then do they have close family you know, support system? Do they have someone to go to when they're feeling down and depressed? And, and then, uh, you know, other risk factors if someone's, you know, is suicidal, you want to take away the means so it can't happen in a very impulsive way. Someone who's plans and thinks for long term, that's going to be harder, right? But at least we have time to intervene and to go to therapy and then maybe things can, can change. So I'm sorry, how do you mm-hmm. know when someone's to that point yeah I mean, yeah no it. and here's the like thing. i was telling you i did it right. in silence yeah right didn't absolutely know and here's my the thing best friend didn't and that's why this. we don't want to wait that for that right we so, don't want to wait we want to if someone's depressed or down or anything then you know we want to pull in you know the resources okay, support see what you're right saying. it's like it's we want to move our life from just surviving to thriving right right, right. and we don't we don't want them to just stay alive right. we want them to have be excited for their life and have you know change and and of course they're going to need to go to you know a professional it can't be like the family's job to cure them from depression you know there's there's going to be a family um kind of like i guess 
influence and there's going to be like work for the family to do but they can't be the ones in charge of like let's handle this by ourselves no you go to a uh, you know professional and you get help and you have them in therapy and then sometimes the family can go to therapy and they can help like how do we form our connections and you know things so, like that Joni what if we have friends who are depressed but won't go to therapy mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. don't feel like or they, they, can't, afford therapy, therapy. Or they can't afford therapy yeah, yeah. right right what do you right do? so what do we do? Yeah, yeah so that's one of the the afford affordability thing is a <laughs> whole other topic that we've got a lot of time on within our society that is is definitely a big struggle and then even with affordability it's availability too how many therapists are around too so um so that that's a tricky thing but um but when it's hard when you when again they're not in your home right there's somebody else but what I would recommend and definitely like for kids to like go to an adult of course don't kids should not try to handle it themselves but anyone else like so let's say if you know like your neighbor you know but she's not letting you in but you really really worried you see maybe this person used to go outside like and they would be like you know done up and dressed you know it's, it's about change too that's the other thing is notice a change because there's some people who are like this is what I do I don't care I want to wear my freaking bathroom to drop the kids off and that's cool good for you but if you yeah. notice a change from yeah. someone who normally does one thing and now they're kind of like oh, not okay. doing that and you know of course you can approach them and see like hey I just noticed like how are you doing is there anything you need so you're offering that support you're not that's you know you don't want to be judged or stigma- stigmatized but just right. like you know so you might not say I notice you always wear your bathroom because that might feel like <laughs> you know but you can just say you know no. I'm just concerned with you you know, I know some changes in you and I'm worried about you, you know, and even like if, and, and if, you know, especially for women, you might not want to comment on looks, it makes it harder, but you might notice energy. Like I just noticed that like when you walk in around, your shoulders are kind of drooped down. Are you just like seem like, you know, your energy is depleted. I'm just concerned with you. Yeah. And you, that's the, you know, and, and you see where that goes. And if, again, you can't be your burden to carry, you can't be right. their therapist, right. but it's showing kindness, showing care, showing concern. Um, and if they're like, yeah, I'm having a really hard time right now. I say, hey, is there anything that, you know, I can help you with? You know, would you like me to like have your kids over for a play date, you know, or, you know, whatever, you know, in, in support yeah. and, you know, and if you're close enough then to be able to offer, you know, like, you know, have you thought about going to therapy or something like that, you know, yeah. um, then you, but if they're closed off or just, I mean, you really have to kind of like, you know, I can't tell you like step one, step two, because it just, there's so many different factors so that come many, in. Yeah. But, um, as far as like in that inter- interaction, you know, um, it's kind of an art form really to, to manage it you know, versus the science, but, um, if you're not able to really get, you know, through to them, then you can definitely reach out to their family members too, you know, to be aware of their spouse or something like that. Well, Erica, mm-hmm. this is why I came to check on you because we were talking, I think it was all energy so based frequently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, what happened? Like I was blaming myself. What did I do? What did I yeah, say? She thought she did some- yeah. Of course. So then afraid sudden- to maybe even approach to it can really, that's a big risk then to approach. Right. If you're thinking that maybe it's you, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. I'm she just showed my up. Pride, she didn't showed up at her door so yeah, my with flowers. I didn't yeah. know that she had she just suffered from a miscarriage. Wow. And she was hurting wow. and suffering. And we were able to come together. And- I have like goosebumps. <laughs> you guys even saying that? Yeah. Like that's- yeah. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I had all my girlfriends calling me. I had mm-hmm. all of them reaching out. And I had all of them. Mm-hmm. And my husband, of course, checking up on me. And my parents. Mm-hmm. And... You know, just checking on me, and I played the part. Oh, I'm, everything's I'm okay. I'm fine. And that's the yeah. withdrawal. That's you yeah. pushing people away, yeah. not letting them in, and probably not even wanting to feel the feelings yourself. And right. sometimes we want to kick ourselves out, you know, too, as far as our awareness. Yeah. yeah. She and she burst so, into tears when I saw her, I and I was did. like, there is yeah. something going right. on. I said, honey, what's wrong? Because uh-huh. I just yeah. started crying, yeah. and yeah. it was almost like... Um, you didn't cry around inter- me. What is that called? Um, oh, it was divine intervention. Di- thank yeah. you. Divine. It absolutely yeah. was. Because yeah. I brought her like yeah. a, a 
And here's the thing too. It's like when you like a lot of people will think it's me or they don't want me around. Who am I? You know, like I, if you, like, if you didn't know each other very well or something, you would be like, oh, this is like, they probably want their privacy. It's not that we don't want to respect people's privacy, but it's okay even to get rejected. It's okay if you try and they're like, no thanks, I got my friends here. And we might feel like, oh, I guess they didn't want me or whatever. But but it it is, again, that goes back to all the shame and self-doubt. Like I'm bad because I tried to help and it wasn't my place. No, it's not. Like it's okay to take that risk and it's Absolutely. okay to fail at it and it's oh, yeah. yes. you know I'm glad I did. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And noticing and, and like how like you didn't know she the thing no that was wrong. No right. Idea. And so that's when people will say, Well, what do we do when? And they even say this with kids' behavior too. And I'm like, Well, it's not really just about the actual context of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. When someone has a miscarriage, do this, right? It's not that. It's noticing that and being emotionally attuned to people that you care about and people that are around you, even if you don't really know them very well. Um, again, don't walk around like with all that's a lot of work. So so take it from me because I have to do it all day long. Like yeah. you can't be like all the time, yeah. you know, of no, course, yeah, you know, you'll get true. depleted. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll get depleted. Yes, but, yes. you know, but yeah, if you do notice something, you know, then, then, you know, and especially, especially people who are around you and they're close to you is like, there's a shift, there's a change here, right? And that's what you notice. There's a shift, there's a change here. And I'm going to confront this, yeah, right? And not confront as in, in a mean, right? We're not con- I don't mean confront doesn't always mean to like fight about things. It just means to like say, to face it. Like something's going on. Let me go see what this is. And going face to face is right. so important. Now, if all you can do is call and call, of course, by all means. But there was something about that face to face contact. And I imagine you probably yeah. read compassion and kindness and here I am. Right. And you couldn't hide really even no, at that I point. Couldn't. Right. Yeah. 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 I was actually yeah. getting ready to leave. Yeah. And I looked at her like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> Don't but make she me had talk such about a this big stuff. smile. Yes. And she's like, so happy to see her. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I just thought there's something going on. I was yeah, just she, cold. I was yeah. cold. And, she was, and, wasn't answering yes. my calls. She wasn't texting yeah. me back. Yeah. It was unusual. And you didn't. So you go there so with so much kindness and love. love. Right. Yeah. She did. And yeah. I'm happy to see you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's safety. And yeah. then the intimacy part that helps take down those walls of isolation, right? If you're trying to isolate and withdraw is then to actually make that comment in the moment. What is wrong? What is, what wrong? is going on? She said. did it perfect. Yeah. What yeah. is wrong? And again, yeah. it was just the thought. Rather than pretending it was I fine, wasn't going to you know? act, act, act on like mm-hmm. Joni was saying, yeah. because my instant reaction was like, my son needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, my yeah. husband would my husband needs me. You I had mean, the protective factors. I did yes. have a protective factor. Yes. To keep you alive so we had time to heal depression. Yeah. Well, exactly. The important thing is it needs to be healed. Feel we don't want to, yeah. oftentimes when we talk about suicide, we only talk about how to stop someone that's about ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But that's not enough. Right. You know, we right. want yeah. to teach people also to live, not just to not die. Kind right. of teetering yes. on that yes. edge. And yes. here's the thing, yeah. listeners, you can help a stranger. I always, always live by this. For some reason... I've done it my whole life and I'm not saying I'm, I'm like the holy person here in the world. No, but you know, you can go to the grocery store and, and the person at the register, your, what are they called? Clerks or cashiers. Or, cashiers thank you. Um, could be having a crappy day and, and who knows mm-hmm. what is going through yes. their mind. And I, I'm very sensitive to energy and I pick up on things. Um, I think we're all able yeah. Yeah. to pick up on energy, but that's a whole different other yes, episode yes. that we mm-hmm. can touch later. Yep. We all have that gift. I'm not just saying yeah, that no, I'm like Yeah, no, we do this. as social people. As, yes. Yeah, as human yeah. beings, we do. So I always make sure to ask the clerk or the cashier person, um, how are you doing? How's your day? Even though if I'm feeling shitty and I'm having a crappy day, 
I always go above and beyond because I can tell if someone isn't doing good. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure to give a compliment. Like yeah, your nice. hair looks so beautiful today. And you mm -hmm. can instantly see difference. the difference. Yep. So yep. with that being yep. said, yep. we, yep. we want to close up here and we're hoping that maybe, you know, we have reached out to one person 1 out there and be worth it. And you probably, it's gone through your mind maybe this week or today or this mm -hmm. morning and we hope and pray we're sending you our love because we are here. Aaron and I have said this so much. We are your tribe. We don't want you to feel alone. And if for whatever reason you, oh gosh, I'm going to try to say this without getting emotional. Um, you are feeling like there's no point in life. Just know that you're important and your life is valuable. Mm -hmm. Yep. And even if you don't feel like you have friends or family, you do. You have it in us. Mm -hmm. We are here for you. And um, oh my yep. gosh, I get so emotional. And I'm there's so sorry. And everybody has a gift and something to put into this world. And oh anyone who is thinking about that, remember that the world needs you. You know, you might even think you're alone. You know, without family or close friends, but there is a gift in there. You might not know what it is yet. You might not know how to offer it, but the world does need you. And and you know, every life has meaning. And you know, don't deprive us of you every being here. Every life has meaning. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you were brought into this world, mm -hmm. even though it, you're feeling like it's your darkest days. Just hang in there. Mm -hmm. That rainbow, I promise, will come. Oh yeah. The sun will come out and you'll see reason behind it eventually. Mm -hmm. And so um, reach out to anyone who's been kind to you yeah. or, you know, mm -hmm. anyone that you trust. Just I mean, just find mm -hmm. that courage to reach yes. out you yes. know, to someone. And we yep. want to offer um, yep. yeah, the National Prevention yep. Suicide mm -hmm. Lifeline. Mm -hmm. You can call 1-800-273-8255 or, or visit www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org mm -hmm. and there's also a really awesome feature it's an online chat mm -hmm. where you don't have to call in and you can just chat with someone and you know these days chatting is just so easy to do so mm -hmm. please, please 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 pick up please the reach phone out to them. reach out to someone don't give up or if don't you've had a family member or loved one who has committed suicide um, please go ahead and pick up the book by Dr. Jennifer Ashton. I know I will be purchasing that book very soon here. And it is called A Life After Suicide by Dr. Jennifer Ashton. And again, she's an ABC chief medical correspondent for Good Morning America. And um, again, Joni, we cannot thank you no enough. Problem, no problem. Thank you, thank you, yeah, thank no you. And I'm sick. I can't hug you, okay. but I want to yeah, embrace she, you yeah. so hard because you <laughs> helped. You personally mm -hmm. helped Aaron and I, mm -hmm. and you're helping our listeners and, as well. And one Absolutely. of the things I want to say too, just closing up, that people who you know, if you're out there and you need help, you are not a burden on anyone. And from me, this is I 
you know, help people all day long, you know, with their mental health needs. And it is, it's just like they say with volunteering, you know, like you actually get so much more in return and it's Mm -hmm. a gift to be able to help people. It feels so good to be able to impact people's lives. So you are not a burden. If you reach out to help from someone, you're giving them an opportunity to experience that as well. So your story and your um, vulnerability and reaching out, all of that is a gift to other people. And we all have a need to feel connected, whether you're the helper or the one receiving the help. Um, So, so, you know, just know that it matters. You are not a burden at all. Um, Joni, please tell our listeners how they can contact you if they mm-hmm, want to come mm-hmm. see you. Or- yeah, yeah. Well, they can reach me at my website. It's www.evolvefamilytherapy.com. And um, I also have a Facebook page as well, um, evolvefamilytherapy.com. And I post videos from time to time about um, different parenting issues and tips and tricks and things like that as well, if you're interested in that. And we will be uh, linking Joni's information on our iTunes and SoundCloud account and also our Instagram and Facebook accounts as well. Yes, and I want to leave you with um, the opening statement on her website because it really, really touched me, and I think that it just sums up everything we've been saying so well and how she can help people. Um, This is what she says. I help women reclaim their identity while parenting their children in an authentic way. And if that doesn't speak of our podcast, I don't know what does. So we are just so um, grateful and just, I mean, I have no words right now. Like this is such a powerful episode and thank you for being here with us and taking so much time. And And we're sending hugs through um, our, we're sending hugs to you guys, to our listeners. I was going to say virtual hugs or virtual hugs, virtual hugs for sure. And you know, you can always email us at the, please no, you can read, you can DM us on Instagram. You can private message us on Facebook. We check everything. Reach out to us, please. Our email is the mimosa mamas at gmail.com. And we do, we check everything and we are here for you. So please don't feel alone. So Again, thank you. We're going to cheers. We're going to cheers. One more time. It was a pleasure. Incredible knowledge. And we cannot wait to have you back. So please come back. Of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> Anytime. Awesome. All right. Thank have you. Have a good day. And don't lose hope. There's love here. There oh, yeah. is. There is. Goodbye. Bye.